Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we continue our season with blockbusters adapted from, well, anything. We've had quite a mixed bag of source materials like comic books, trading cards, cartoons. And for this one, we just go back to a husband and wife writing a random novel that changed into a script that became one of the most successful paid gigs in Hollywood history. So... The next movie is going to blow you away, that's right. We're going to be talking about the 1996 action epic film Twister, directed by Yann Devon and starring Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Carrie Elwes, Alan Ruck and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Any excuse to play Van Halen, honestly. Um, but look, as we get older, we tend to just lose the people we grew up watching. It's very sad. It's just part of life. Um, the people that helps us escape for a few hours. And two of those five people I mentioned earlier in the film are no longer with us. Bill Paxton and Philip Seymour Hoffman, who both arguably broke out in this film, some would say. I mean, more Bill Paxton as this was a leading man blockbuster role following his supporting role stint in films like playing the loudmouth Hudson and Aliens, Titanic the year after, Apollo 13 the year before. In fact, his supporting roles in Aliens, Predator 2 and Terminator give him this sort of distinct privilege of the only actor to ever fight with all three, uh, the Predator, the Terminator and the Alien and actually dying in the hands of all three of them, which is such a cool reputation to have. Um, it's such a prodigious title to have. You can clearly deduce from the roles Bill has appeared in. James Cameron kind of adored him. What Michael Caine was to Nolan or Jackson to Tarantino. Bill Paxton was to James Cameron, making appearances in Aliens, Titanic, True Lies. And they even filmed a documentary to get, together going down in a sub to see the Titanic. So they were pals. They were friends. But unfortunately, in 2017, complications with an operation are what finally took down Bill Paxton. And because of this famous role in this film, Twister, Spotter Network choreographed 200 storm chasers to spell out BP with their GPS tracker blips on a radar display to honor him. This kind of tribute had only been done five times before in their history, but this was the first time it was done in honor of someone that wasn't a storm chaser, which is why this film is such a big deal. I mean, I could single-handedly just do this podcast on Bill Pax, but a graceful guy who went too soon has an integrated Southern authority here in this film, rather than the wackiness of his adolescence in the 80s where he outshines any teen actors who fancies framing the perfect 21-year-old stereotype, especially with his iconic role as Hudson. But with his Texas gravel and charming bravado that he naturally distributes in this film, he cements a great role in a great film that noticeably made an influence to a lot of people, including, of course, Spotter Network. And to think, none of this would have happened if Tom Hanks didn't do what he did. So Tom Hanks was the original and only choice for Bill Harding. And he studied the brilliant screenplay written by Michael Crichton, the author of Jurassic Park and Congo and Disclosure, one of my favorite authors. And he loved it. He adored it. He was game. He was going for it. He even chose the wardrobe that we see on the screen with Bill Paxton at the moment. But let's not sugarcoat this. Tom Hanks was the biggest actor at the time. He just came off back-to-back Oscars for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump for Best Actor. Something only one other actor has done to this day, and that was Spencer Tracy in 38 and 39. 
I think the films are Captain Courageous and Boys Town, which you haven't seen is a great film. So Tom Hanks was hot shit. He couldn't miss. And to add to his back-to-back Oscar-winning years, Apollo 13 had just come out. And that was doing foolishly well. A great film with an ensemble cast. A cast that includes Ed Harris, Gary Sinise, Kevin Bacon, and yes, you've guessed it, Bill Paxton. And it was during pre-production, weeks before the first day of shooting on Twister, that Tom Hanks was like... I just don't think this role is right for me because it needs an eccentric sort of man with a southern flair that that just wasn't him. And this guy was on a roll. He'd won two back-to-back Oscars. And the year after, he had the two biggest films out that year, which was Apollo 13 and Toy Story. So it was an interesting thing for him to turn down. And he thought he'd just work with Bill Paxton on Apollo 13. He thought of him and he thought that would work, wouldn't it? He's textbook to match his character with Bill Harding. And despite this, director Yandy Vaughn was also hot shit, just coming off his debut film two years prior, a little film called Speed, which could essentially mean he could cast anyone he wanted to because Speed was just a gigantic accomplishment, the diehard of the 90s, and so he could have casted anyone. Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, John Travolta, Richard Gere, uh, Bruce Willis, Michael Keaton, Nicolas Cage, and they would have said yes. But Tom Hanks was the top dog at the time, and he helped Bill Paxton secure the role and the rest is, well, history. Yandy Vaughn, who by trade was a cinematographer for big films like Die Hard, stepped into the director's chair for the first time in 1994, arguably one of the biggest years for cinema, and that year he made Speed, which basically catapulted both Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock's career himself and the idea of not going on a bus, and it produced a $100 million film, 121 to be more exact, and it was an instant success. To a certain degree, it was the turning point from the 80s to the 90s of what action was going to become now. Situational drama with a digestible but absurd plot with your everyday person in the middle. In this case, a bus that can't slow down or blow up. I mean, that's cinema right there. Throw in Reeves, Hopper and Bullock and some insane sequences and it was the perfect movie for 1994. The eighth highest grossing film of the year. Not bad for your first time on the director's chair and not bad considering that the films that beat you that year were films like The Lion King, True Lies, Dumb and Dumb and The Flintstones. Check that episode out, by the way. One of the best years, I think, in cinema history. So anyways, so Yandivant goes again. And after Speed, he can do whatever he wants. So he wants to do Twister. And he doubles down what he made with Speed with Twister. He made $241 million worldwide with Twister. It was the second highest grossing film of the year. The only film to beat it? Independence Day. Twister was just a success story. It was massive. It brought in people from all over the world to experience this epic. The villain of the story, Mother Nature. What Jaws did with the popularity of sharks, Twister essentially did with the fascination of tornadoes. And no wonder, because Roland Emmerich, who is renowned for weather films, hadn't really been on the scene with much of his trademark weather films yet. He was making, you know, he was making a name for himself with Aliens at the time, with Stargate and the only other film to beat this film in 1996, Independence Day. It wasn't really until 2004 did we get another proper hyped up movie about Mother Nature with The Day After Tomorrow. And then he sort of went off the rails with 2012 and Moonfall. But those stories trigger a lot of attention anyway. They're blockbuster movies. But, you know, from The Wizard of Oz to Geostorm, Hollywood has always had a sort of cute crush on extreme weather films. But the market puts those films straight to DVDs. Those kind of films that have weather has its centre point are those B or C movies, those TV movies that love a good natural disaster flick in the outback of Southern America. But when done right, with the right director that we know we have, with the right cast that we know we have, magic can happen and money is made. And this is what happened with Twister. And before, yes, we had man-made disaster films like Backdraft and Towering Inferno and the 70s surge of natural disaster movies like Earthquake, Hurricane, the SOS Titanic, 
the Poseidon Adventures Meteor, but 1996 is when Twister reshaped the reputation of this genre into a blockbuster category genre movie that was taken seriously. And not just a genre that would just show up on TV on TCM at 9pm on one of those B-list channels, you know? No, this film that falls under the same category as those 70s disaster movies was the second highest movie in 1996 in the world. And because of this, it dared others to try, hence Dante's Peak and Volcano coming out moments after Armageddon, Deep Impact, The Perfect Storm, Titanic, Poseidon. Twister paved the way for these films, which was on trend because of Y2K. And guess what? They all made serious money. I mean, Titanic certainly did. Another film with Bill Paxton. It was a very important movie of the 90s and a very imperative picture altogether. And ironically, I was talking about straight-to-DVD movies that this genre sort of provoked. Twister was actually the first film ever to be released on DVD and also one of the first to have a director's audio commentary. So it was there in the transitional period between VHS and DVD, another big reason why it made so much money because of the sales on DVD. So Yandy Vont coming off Twister, Crichton and his wife penning the script for this, being paid $2 million to do that, by the way, the biggest upfront fee for a script to be written at the time. Spielberg in the producer's chair, two studios on the helm here. Spielberg's Amblin collaborating with both Warner Brothers and Universal Pictures. First time ever Spielberg's Amblin did that for the same film. All of that in place, we've got our actors and we are off to the races. And one thing, one thing Yandy Vaughn was very insistent on when he did uh, his last movie is that he did not want to work with Hollywood divas, hence the casting of Unknown to the movie world, Helen Hunt and Tom Hanks' recommendation, Bill Paxton. Now, studios were fine with Bill since he was known for big films, never really played the lead, but Apollo 13 had just come out and they were okay with that. It was like the second biggest film that year. But Helen Hunt, who was essentially the lead in this place, in, in this film, you know, she's top billing in Twister. Before this, she should only really be known as a TV actress, so they forced Yandy Vaughn to cast someone more known. Now, he deliberately sabotaged every audition, telling the actresses like Michelle Pfeiffer and God knows who else, Glenn Close, anyone who was hot shit in the 90s, Sharon Stone, that I've already got Helen Hunt in mind for the role, but go ahead and audition anyway. The studios had to go with Yandy Vaughn because the gamble paid off when he casted a relatively unknown at the time in Speed, which was Sandra Bullock. So they trusted him. They said, okay, fine, we'll get Helen Hunt. So you got Bill Paxson, you got Helen Hunt, and then the lead for the movie instead of Tom Hanks and Helen Hunt. But don't worry, they work together in Castaway, another movie that somewhat deals with Mother Nature and its cruelest. And many of you might know that Twister actually reunites Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, who actually worked together in, 18, uh, in, in 1989. In a John Irvin film called Next of Kin, it's got such a ridiculous cast. It's a really good film. I mean, it's okay, but I loved it. So you've got kind of take it with a pinch of, uh, pinch of salt, but it's got Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, um, but it's got Patrick Swayze, Liam Neeson, Ben Stiller, uh, Ted Levine. It's a crazy cast. Um, but for this film as well, with Twisted, the supporting cast was really strong. Carrie Elwes playing a human villain of the film, old foes of Bill who stole the idea of Dorothy, a machine capable of reading rare data that could stretch tornado warnings. You just need to stick it in the suck zone, which is eloquently explained by uh, Dusty as the area in where the tornado sucks it up. I'm not really sure you needed an explanation for what the suck zone was, but it adds to some kind of comical value for the character of Dusty, which is randomly played by Philip Seaman Hoffman. I'm surprised he even got a job after this, let alone winning an Oscar later in his career, but it was a hell of a role. 
So you've got Carrie Elwes, Alan Ruck, and the future Oscar-winning actor, like I said, playing a lovable eccentric role as Dusty Phillips, Stephen Hoffman. I mean, Carrie Elwes was a bit of an unknown at the time, but, um, I mean, I say unknown at the time, he was massive um, because of The Princess Bride, but he was playing what they call in the movie The Nightcrawler, which is somewhat ironic because Bill Paxton would later go on to play in a film called Nightcrawler with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. So yes, Carrie Elwes' character steals their idea, dresses all in black to let audiences know they're bad, and to forever solidify that point, they are corporate sellers out which is ironic since the film is pushing the pepsi brand and serious product placement at the end of the movie so there you go and speaking of dorothy i mean the amount of reference in this film has in regards to the wizard of oz which is very suitable because dorothy is sucked by a giant tornado in the wizard of oz so i get their little reference there but what better name for a machine to help people escape from tornadoes than Dorothy. Also, the actual instrument pack they are used um, in actual storm chasing are called Totable Tornado Observatory, which is Toto for short, like the dog in The Wizard of Oz. Don't know if that's coincidental or not. Who knows? And the dog in the opening scene of this movie is the same breed as Toto. So Yandy Vaughn was obviously trying to get his message across that this film is heavily influenced or referenced in The Wizard of Oz. Maybe one of his favourite films. I don't know. He also adds a little other nods to this movie like he did in Speed. And details like the truck that derails Bill at the start of the movie is a tanker truck with Bethic Petroleum. Now, if you're a diehard movie fan, that is the company of Ed Harris's character work in The Abyss. Another little Easter egg there. Um... And then you've got the character of Lois Smith's character. She's reading Dante's Inferno just before the twister hits with Keita. And in that book, it features a tornado in a second circle of hell that punishes people ruled by lust, which you could argue is what splits up Melissa and Bill in this movie. Uh, but yeah, if you want to stretch that far, but um, I love doing that, so it's fun. And speaking of that opening scene, the tornado killing the father at the start was all Spielberg's idea. He said it was important to know the dangers of these things, and it would sort of act as a catalyst and drive for the character of Joe to have this single-minded dedication, regardless of anything, to chase these damn tornadoes. And in case you don't know, this is Spielberg, a Spielberg's trademark that, like, you know, Tarantino has with his feet, Shyamalan has with his twist. Hitchcock with his cameo, Spielberg is the presence of a father figure. He always has a tender or dramatic moment in all of his movies that involve the relationship of the father with the child. Sam Neill with the kids in Jurassic Park, Indy with Short Round in Temple of Doom, the complications of his relationship in, say, Hook, Catch Me If You Can, Jaws, Close Encounter, E.T. In fact, all of his films, there is always a moment between a father or the metaphorical figure of being a father in all of his films. So anyway, Paxton said in an interview that he didn't even meet Steven Spielberg until a year after the movie was released and they met and Spielberg came up to him greeted him and said thanks for making me a lot of money the film acted as very interesting time for the cinema at the time more specifically special effects yes this was the first movie to be released on DVD they were knowingly filming the behind the scenes footage knowing this film was going to have those bonus features on the DVD recording audio commentaries but also the rapid use of CGI's in 1990 and the reason Yandy Vaughn chose to do a film like this was he thought and he was right, by the way. It would probably be the last opportunity to direct a large-scale film with practical effects, which is why he chose a movie about tornadoes or something dramatic. And after this movie, the, which is one of the most large-scale movies to use CGI now instead of practical effects using this movie, it went out with a bang. So he used both practical effects and CGI. Probably the last time a film probably did that, unless they revamped it you know, later on. So it was filmed in 82 days in Oklahoma, where winds on the plains of the states are typically higher than the rest of the country. 
my boys in Oklahoma, uh, my, my guys from Quantum Recast are from, I'm pretty sure they said they're like minutes away from the location of when they filmed Twister because they live in Oklahoma. So um, yeah, check them out, Quantum Recast. I'm surprised they haven't done an episode of Twister yet, guys. I mean, your hometown, you got you got to do one for your home movie. But um, yeah, I thought that was quite cool. But um, in total, the film contains a span of only 24 hours not including the opening prologue, which is quite rare for the film, which expands the fast-paced suspense to film motions as they go from one storm to another. And within that 24-hour period, we see seven tornadoes and one in the prologue, which is exactly what you need for a film called Twister. It meets expectations. So many reviews, so many podcasts condemning this film. Honestly, it seems to be the only criticism of this film that you would never have seven tornadoes. Well, what the fuck are you paying what the fuck are you paying for if you're going to watch a blockbuster film about tornadoes? One or two, and then we have an ellipsis of three months before they catch the next one without any content between absolute rubbish. It's a movie. Enjoy the ride. Invest in the force realism this film is trying to put you into. This is this is the whole essence of cinema. Enjoy the flying cow. Pray that the tornado somehow doesn't hurt Bill or Joe, because believe it or not, the film sucks without our main leads. We need to like our characters. It was just a foolish comment in those reviews to put the film down. And speaking of the film sucks, that was the original tagline for this movie. It sucks, which is sharp. I like it, but it would have easily backfired when you have the insanity of some critics using a tagline to back up their thoughtless points. It's escapism at its core. It's vividly executed. The tornadoes actually look quite authentic. You can tell the CGI when it's ha- when it happens, and you can tell the practical effects. And they, you know, they look respectable. The sound effects are remarkable. I think they used a camel moaning and slowed it down for the sound of the roar of the tornado, which works. And the other dense critic I was reading on the reviews is Yami Gert's character as Melissa Reeves and Carrie Elwes' role as Jonah. First off, Carrie Elwes did a great job picking this role. He is fantastic in it. A lot of his scenes had to be cut for the runtime of this movie to sort of go past the studio time. And this is an actor who wanted to mix it up after him being typecast and playing heroes or doing period pieces made famous by the Princess Bride. And the other thing that was said was, why didn't he use his English accent? Why be Southern? Considering the English accent adds to the flair of being the antagonist. I take great offense of that, by the way. My reasoning is the true villain here is the tornado, not any particular individual. Bill even tries to help him at the end. Having him English or anything else besides Southern American takes away the mentality of the villain. They all need to be from the same place, the same background. I think it works. Plus, it gets, you know, it gets to stretch his skills as an actor. Well, you know, why not? As for Melissa, this was the stupidest one as well especially for film critics, played by Yami Gertz, who I think plays Melissa well, and people say she was futile. I say again, stupidity. She is called, she's a plot device, simply for feeding the audience important information about the science behind tornadoes. She is a vessel for exposition. She is the audience. She knows squat about tornadoes, and her character is used to communicate to us what the hell is an F5 tornado, what is the suck zone, although I think we could have worked that one out. So to blend that plot device in with a reasonable story link with the character, if I'm being honest, it's done quite well in the writing department. This film is one-way traffic ride that gives audience a thrill, exactly what you're buying your ticket for. Twister sits in the middle of an intense decade in a transitional period between VHS and DVD, practical effects and special effects, and a very idea of an action star in terms of A-lister to the top billing being a woman instead of a man.
The film is incredibly important to the continuation of weather-related films and just the idea of fast-paced action. Twister has my regards and it is the go-to November film. No logic to that. I just believe I watched this film in November and I couldn't stop doing it. It's become kind of a tradition. So, yeah, sort of my thing. Anyway, that's all I have time for for Twister. This film sucks, but you know what I mean. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram. That's film exploration, all lowercase, all one word. And you can listen to me on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and Amazon. And I'm also co-hosting on Quantum Recast, who, funnily enough, live near the area where this film was shot, Oklahoma. So check them out. It's an insane podcast. I love their concepts. a great show. Tune in for their Halloween special. But for the time being, thank you for tuning in to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. Hurry.